If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please open them to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, we are continuing in our series called Desire God, Desire Wisdom, pardon me, Desire God's a good idea too, Desire Wisdom. And the reason why we went into this series uh, really was we were praying about like what, what do we need as a church, what uh, at this point in the life of our ministry and our church, but also what, what does everybody need in this world today uh, with what's going on and, and the challenges of being men, being women, being married, being in relationships everything that's going on. And, and, well, the subject of wisdom became quite clear that we need that. And what we've discovered in this series so far is this. We're kind of bankrupt in that area, <laughs> mainly because as a culture and as a world, as a society, we've come to this wrong conclusion that wisdom is the accumulation of knowledge. You know, just got to get smarter, got to study more, got to learn more. And uh, we've also discovered that it's really about human wisdom, right? The idea is like, well, just follow your heart, you know, things like that, and which is really a bad thing to do. And, and, and that's what we lean to. And so we started looking at the Scripture and specifically uh, at the teachings and the writings of Solomon, King Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes and in the Proverbs. And what we discovered is, is that there is something called godly wisdom, wisdom from above, go figure. And that's what we need as human beings, to be able to uh, navigate through all aspects of life. And, and God wants us to know that wisdom. James, the stepbrother of Jesus, said in, in, in the first chapter of his letter, he said, if anyone needs wisdom, just ask. Ask your Heavenly Father, and He will give it to you. Just So, meaning, pray to your Heavenly Father. And so, what we've also seen is this. We've, we're looking at now for the last few weeks, and we will this week and the next two weeks as we conclude this series before our Advent Christmas series. Uh, we've been looking at the parables of Jesus and seeing what a remarkable relationship, go figure again, there is between the parables of Jesus, these very simple stories that have a big idea behind them, and Proverbs, which is wisdom. It's Jesus as he's living out the 3.5 years of his ministry life and teaching people about the kingdom of God, what it looks like, how to get in, he's teaching wisdom through the parables. So let me read today's parable for you, and then I'm going to pray one more time, and then we'll dive in. It's in Matthew chapter 18, and it's beginning in verse 21, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. So read with me if you would. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, 
I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me? And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I think we need to pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you once again for this opportunity, this time to come here today to celebrate you, to sing praises to you. Um, Father, that's why we're here. Um, We gather here today not to perform a ritual, um, not to check a box, but to come and worship you and hear from you. So, Lord, uh, my prayer, our hope today is that you will speak, not me. I don't have what it takes, Lord, so I pray that you would just use the words that you've given to me about this passage. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do the teaching, you would do the uh, illuminating, you would do the convicting and challenging as necessary, but also, Lord, I pray that you would do the forgiving and the healing that we all need. I pray these things in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So, it seems like every week, uh, last week, very challenging parable that we read and we looked into about heaven and hell. And this parable itself also, a very interesting parable. And especially the way it ends, it's rather difficult. As many of you know, I, I personally have a great affinity for the Apostle Peter. Uh, I, I kind of like him. Uh, he, he, you know, he's the guy who, you know, he's, he's a strong fisherman. I'm, he's probably a bigger man than I am, uh, or was anyway. And I really appreciate him, though, because he… Um, he, he, when he first heard the call of Jesus to follow me as he was fishing one day, he, he just he left it. And he said, yeah, I'm following you. And, and he followed hard on behind Jesus. He really did. Uh, he stayed as close as possible as he could. He, he was also, we see in the Scripture, the first one to speak up. I mean, he was a leader, and he wanted people to know he was a leader, right? Like, first guy to talk and, and, and to offer protection throughout the Gospels. We see him offering protection to Jesus and… and um, and, and to show all the time that he was really on board to everything that Jesus was doing. Um, we also know from the record of Scripture that he had a, a little bit of a challenge, and that was sometimes his mouth would start moving before his brain had really figured out what he was supposed to say, right? He, he was that kind of guy, and so that's why I identify with him throughout my business and life and career. Um, I just look at this guy, and I'm like, Jesus still loved him. <laughs> Remarkably so. And so we're at this point uh, in Jesus' ministry, as I've been saying throughout this series, 3.5 years of his earthly ministry. And and Peter is at a point where he's actually been on a bit of a roll. Like, you know, things are getting better for Peter. A few chapters earlier, when Jesus asks everyone who's there, who do people say that I am? Of course, Peter's the one that steps forward boldly and he goes, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Boom, mic drop. He got that one right, right? It was awesome. And of course, we'll remember that Jesus had to remind them that, Peter, that didn't come out of your brilliant little mind. That was the Heavenly Father, God, revealing that to you. And even though he had a bit of a hiccup a little later in that same passage, he's on a bit of a roll. He still felt like he was making some progress, and he was. He was making progress as an apostle, but he still wasn't there yet. However, at this point in time in Matthew chapter 18, it's like, you know what? I I think I'm ready for a good theological debate with the Master, (laughs) with Jesus. And what's the subject that he picks? Forgiveness. (laughs) Brilliant. Let's see how that goes, right? 
And so here, again, let me put the verses on screen for you so we can see where we're at. Verses 21 and 22 say this, Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. So Peter's question actually, based on the context of this passage, is a bit puzzling. It's a bit puzzling. If you go back just six verses, um, and we're going to probably look at that in Missional Community Group as a follow-up to this message this week, uh, you're going to see Jesus' actual instructions to His disciples on exactly what you're to do when a brother or a sister sins against you. It's like step by step. It's right there. He's just preached it. He's just told them what it is. And now Peter's like, well, can we talk about this? Um, basically, he says, if someone offends you, this is what Jesus said a few verses earlier, go to him. As soon as that happens, as soon as they offend you, go to them and say, hey, you've offended me. You've done something wrong. We need to talk about it. And, and, and do it confidentially and tell them straight about how you feel and what they did. He then says to you basically this, if, if they listen to you, you've gained a brother. Literally what Jesus is implying in that is, is that if they listen to you, then at least you're going to have a conversation about what happened and some healing, restoration, and forgiveness can take place, and we're good. We're good again. We're friends. We're brothers. We can hug and kiss. Well, maybe not. Brothers, girls, yes, but us guys, it's kind of weird. Maybe we should. He listens to you. If he's open to talking to you about it, and, and if that doesn't work, Jesus now provides two more steps. And we'll look at that a little bit later as we get on in this packet passage. Now, in verses 21 and 22 that I have on screen, P Peter is actually, don't you think, I mean, when he, when he says seven times, I mean, he's actually thinking he's being generous. And part of the reason is he's a, he's a faithful Jew, and rabbis would have been teaching that, you know, before, anyway, before Jesus, that forgiveness was, you know, like maybe two or three times. <laughs> you know, you should, maybe two or three times. After that, out you go. So, Peter actually felt like he was being generous. But really, I, again, I, I can't impose this on Jesus. I don't know what his face looked like, but I, I, I think he probably sighed a little bit. And because the Greek that he actually uses, our English translation says 77, the Greek actually would imply 70 times 7 which is 490, right? And so, I mean, Jesus is kind of blowing it up and going, you should continually forgive each other. And then he goes on to this amazing parable. So, let me ask some questions here just to get us focused on what's going to take place here this morning. Have you ever been offended? <laughs> oh, dear. I, I've been thinking about this all week and, 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 and repenting and confessing to God. I think it's a silly question, isn't it? We all take offense all the time. Some of you have been offended as you arrived here today. We get offended all the time. It's, it's a crazy thing. And have you ever noticed that sometimes you tend to get offended by the same person? They just, they just have to walk into the room or pop into your mind, right? And you are offended once again by them. Why would that be? Why do you think that would be? What's going on here? Why are we so easily offended? Um, why, A, are we so easily offended? And B, why is it that some people tend to offend us more than others? So, or more often. Let's turn that around a little bit. Have you ever been offensive? <laughs> Apparently I am, you know. 
Have you ever been offensive? Has anyone ever said to you, you've offended me? You, you know, that, that, I find that offensive, the way you're actually looking at me or what you've just said to me. Of course we are. We're, we're, we're all offended and offensive. Are there times when someone finds you offensive? Think about it this way. They find you offensive and you find out after the fact and you're like, well, I'm sorry for that, but that, was, that wasn't my heart at all. I didn't mean to offend you and, and yet they took it that way. I'm just speaking for myself here, I guess, but you know, I've got the t-shirt. I can confess. And it's not funny, really, because as I've been thinking about it all week, I, I, I see these things in me, how offense or being offended or thinking that someone was offended by me, and that even offends me that you were offended by me. I mean, it's just a, it's a crazy cycle, isn't it? Has anybody else got a t-shirt like that? Come on. Don't let me hang out here, okay? Thank you. Somebody put their hand up. One, one honest person. The rest of you need to confess. So what's the problem, do you think? What's going on? What's the problem with us? Could it be our lack of forgiveness? Real, true, and repentant forgiveness? I mean, obviously that's what Peter thinks the problem is, right? He's come to the Lord with this theological question, really a point that he wants Jesus to go, Peter, you're so smart, you got it. And, and Jesus blows it up on him. He thinks that's what the problem is, but Jesus is like, okay, good, good that you've identified forgiveness as an issue, but i got to show you something, Peter. It's way deeper than that. And the beautiful thing about it is that, you know, we have wisdom incarnate in the flesh in Jesus Christ who knows our hearts, sees into our hearts, and loves us still, and now He wants to tell us the story. So let's also be honest about this and put on the table why most of us struggle with forgiveness. Why would most of us struggle with forgiveness? I think there's one word that is important, and we need to deal with it. It's called hurt. Right? Some of us, I think, can say that we've been really hurt by someone in the past. Um, we may have also hurt people. And as a result of that hurt, forgiveness has been very, very hard for you. I counsel people from time to time in various situations in life and because of relationships, etc., and there's some, I need to be careful here as I'm speaking here this morning, please hear me. There's some serious and tragic hurts out there. There really is. We can't overlook that. Um, for some people, the idea of forgiving that hurt, it's really hard. So let's highlight the truth that some hurts are far more traumatic and life-altering than others. Yes, it's possible that some of us may honestly say, I am not sure I can or will ever forgive that person for what they did to me. Friends, I just want to say to everyone else in this room here today, one of the things we're going to see from this today is we need to be understanding of people who feel that way and not judge them too quickly. And despite all that, I still have to say this. I believe, and I hope you do, that the gospel is powerful enough to heal even the worst hurts that have happened to any of us. That's why Jesus died, to heal you and to forgive you so that we could also be healed and forgiven. So what we're looking at here today, uh, I just want to suggest to you, is not that. It's not really that level of hurt and offense and sin. It's the everyday stuff that Jesus is getting at here. Because Peter's like, he's just making a small thing. And you've got to remember what Peter said, sin against me. 
See, it's, it's not like the apostle or, or that the whole focus is about anyone saying, you know, how many times should people be forgiven for sinning against you, Jesus? You, God. It's me, right? I'm concerned about me. And we, we need to see that, what he's doing here. It's a more common level of hurts, offenses, and sins against you where you and I actually, listen, we become the problem equally, if not more so, not just to others but to ourselves because of our lack and inability to forgive. We're the ones with the problem of forgiveness, and yet we're hurt. We're hurt. So let's, let's, let's kind of try to flesh that out even further. Where do these hurts come from? Uh, I actually heard a a message many years ago, and and one of the things the guy said was, well, it it can be marked down to the X's in life, right? Some of the hurts that some of us bear are ex-wives, ex-husbands, ex-friends, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-boss, co-worker. The list goes on and on and on. I often have people, uh, conversations with people where they're, they're having a problem with their boss or there's certain things going on, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, and, and you can tell that there's a bitterness, there's a, there's a root there, and it's really bugging them. And, and then I, I share with them a situation where I was in, and all of a sudden while I'm sharing the situation I was in and the boss that I had, all of a sudden I'm realizing, I haven't forgiven that dude yet. Really? Because it's still on my mind, fresh, and I can tell the story, and I can tell while I'm telling the story, I'm bugged by this. And so that's a problem. So now let's take, take this really down to uh, uh, where the Firestone meets the freeway. I love that. It's a, one of my old mentors in life. He was Irish, and, and you know, he, it was you know, where the rubber meets the road, right? But for him, it was the Firestone meets the freeway. And let me ask this other question. Have you ever been so offended by someone that they made you so angry that if they were to be in your presence again the next time, there might be some violence. I mean, so angry. I was uh, 17 years of age one time, uh, and going to St. Jean Brebeuf College High School back in Toronto, uh, private boys' school, and, um, you know, I was at, uh, I think I was in grade 10 or 11 at this time, maybe 11, uh, and, uh, you, know, was, uh, you know, I was in a rock and roll band, um, you know, thought it was pretty popular guy, you know, things were going good. Well, there was this guy in uh, my, uh, not in my class, but in my grade, and he was friends with all the rest of my friends. And, and he started every time I'd walk by his locker or into a, you know, the room that he was in, he would, he would always be going, hey, Davies. We always called each other last names, right? Hey, Davies, I think you're so smart, don't you? I think you're uh, pretty popular, don't you? He started, like, talk, calling me out, right? And, and so forth. And, and, you know, like, I got offended, I mean, seriously, he was calling me out. He was calling me names. And, you know, he was, you think you're so popular, you know, with the, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And so one day, I, I'm literally coming up the, the stairs, and I'm walking down the hall. I can still see this. And I'm walking down the hall, and there's John. He's right in front of his locker. And he turns around, and he goes, hey, Mr. Popular, right? That was it. I literally, I saw his rather large, and, and I just hauled off, and I booted him. And he went flying into the locker, books flying all over the place, right? And uh, he, he steps down, picks up his books, and he goes, exactly what I thought. All my buddies were looking on. I just walked away. We'll talk about this more a little later, about what happened. 
but I was angry. He offended me. He hurt my feelings. He was making me look bad. And that's how I responded. So now, as I've already suggested at first blush, it looks like forgiveness is the key to this story. But once again, as we keep seeing with Jesus, it's far, far deeper than that. And so let's have a look at our parable for today. Verses 23 and 24 say, Therefore the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, come on. Jesus is there in front of all of the disciples again. There's people following him, religious people as well. And Jesus is speaking these words. Okay? These are his words to them. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So listen, for Peter, who was a faithful Jew, and, and all of those who were there listening, this opening by Jesus would be, would be completely understandable. When, when they heard language like kingdom of heaven, uh, maybe compared to a king who wished to settle accounts, right, um, they, they would immediately know that he's speaking about Yahweh. He's speaking about God, you know, the Father, as Jesus always referred to Yahweh. That was the story that the people of Israel understood, and it was about making atonement for their sins, but settling accounts with God through animal sacrifices. This was then clear. Up to this point, all is good. They understand the beginning of this parable quite well. This king, this master, represents Yahweh. He represents God. Now Jesus starts to twist it, right, and really gets them thinking. So the first servant is brought before the king to settle his account, the account that he owes the king, and it's, it's 10,000 talents. Now, we've got to do a little bit of math here so that we can really understand what Jesus is saying. Um, in that day, a talent was the largest form of currency that they had. It was the largest form of currency that you could, you could have. It was a very large uh, uh, amount, as you're going to see. In our currency today in Canada, it's the $100 bill. I actually remember the day when we had $1,000 bills, right? And, and I actually had one. And, for a while, carried it around. I was afraid I would always lose my wallet. I was just, I did. But and they, they took those away because of counterfeiting and all the rest of it. So a talent in that day was actually a measure of weight, usually of gold. And most historical experts, if you study it, Google it, but also look biblically, would tell you that the current value of a talent today would be somewhere around $1.25 million in today's money. So, so quick math, 10,000 talents, guess how much that is? $12 billion. So obviously, no one had in that day or has that kind of money. What you, Jesus, what are you doing here? Right? At this point, they're like, this is an astronomical amount of money. And the obvious conclusion that the listeners would have expected from Jesus was the next thing that he says, which is, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, now again, hearing that, though, they're looking at that and they're like, seriously, wait a second, $12 billion? That can't be paid. And, and on a, a, a jailed person's wage on a daily basis, not ridiculous. It's never going to be paid. What are you getting at, Jesus? What, what, what's your point well, we're going to get to that, but we need to continue. Verses 26 and 27 say, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, 
have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. That was nice. (laughs) Now, again, in in that moment, the rabbis, the religious leaders, Peter, all of the disciples are looking at Jesus going, what? Who does that? (laughs) Released him from the guards that were now holding him to take him off to prison? because that's what he deserved? Forgave the debt? Who does that? Well, if the size of the debt was an outrageous and unpayable amount, the master's response to his plea for mercy was equally stunning to these people. And that's the point. That's the point. I hope you can see what the point is without me going too deeply into it. What Jesus is revealing to them and he's revealing to you and I is this is how our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. Have you ever, I've stopped to think about this this week, this is kind of harsh, (laughs) have you ever thought about the fact that your offenses and sins against God are in the billions? Like, how many many moments throughout the day do we we choose to rebel, um, turn toward ourselves and away from God, um, offend others, be offended by others, be unforgiving to others, Sin? I don't know. I think it's a real good thing that none of us has the gift of clairvoyance, (laughs) that you can know what's going through my mind every moment of every day, and I can know what's going through your mind of every day. Just think about that. The point that Jesus wants them to see and us to see is, I love the hymns that were picked for today. Come on. The debt that God has forgiven you for, if you have received His forgiveness, and me for, is insurmountable. That's the point. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. And you guys know it. You should know it. We cannot save ourselves. This story is all about the fact that we cannot save ourselves, do anything to gain God's acceptance, approval, and forgiveness. It's all His work. It's all about unmerited favor. (laughs) This guy didn't deserve this. You and I don't deserve the forgiveness that we get. It's called grace, right? It's called grace. God's mercy and grace are what, listen, released and forgave this servant of his debt, and it's what releases and forgives you and I from ours. How much have you, have I been forgiven? How much? Very much. The story continues, and we've already read it, so let me summarize before we get to a conclusion uh, this morning and some applications for today. So our servant is released and he's freed. And of course, you all know the first thing that he did, right? The first thing he did is he went out and he went, Jesus saved me. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I've been forgiven. Oh, I'm a new creation in Christ. It's all awesome. Oh, I just want to go and hug people and love people and tell them all about Jesus. That's what he did, right? No, he doesn't do that. What he does is he looks for the first person who owes him money. Now, why would that be? Well, it's a story. It's a parable. It's not a true story, but, but, well, maybe it's because of this. He's got no money. He's broke. The sum that he asks of this other person is a denarii. It's, it was in that day a day's wage, which today would be approximately about $100. So we got billions 
forgiven. You owe me a hundred bucks, off to jail with you. That's it, until I get my money. So I think the picture we're supposed to see out of this is that this man um, was forgiven. You'll notice that I, I, I actually titled the, uh, the, the, parable, the parable of the forgiven servant. In your Bibles, it probably says the unforgiving servant. The focus is on the fact this man who is unforgiving. The focus should be on we're forgiven our debt. And because we're forgiven our debt, we can forgive others of their debt and their offenses against us. Amen? Well, let's hopefully that's where we're going to get. So, the, the, the comparison is stark, I think. So, imagine Peter and the others hearing this story. The story moves forward, and there's this little comment uh, before the master has his say, and, and this is interesting. Uh, this now unforgiving servant is living in community, a community of fellow servants. That's interesting. And they see what he's doing. My friend saw me kick John in the behind. They saw what he's doing. It distresses them, and they report him to his master who had shown him so much mercy and so much grace. And then the passage ends with these words in 32 and 33. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked, wicked servant. I forgave you all your debt because you pleaded with me. You asked for forgiveness. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, again, fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? So I think we can stop right there for a moment and reread these words coming from the lips of Jesus every day this week. Ah, it's convicting, I think, isn't it? It's convicting. The passage concludes with these very troubling words. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also your heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So let's face it. This is really not a very shocking ending, is it? Is it really shocking? Do, do we not sometimes feel like this is the kind of justice people should get for the way they hurt and offend us? Got what, what he deserved. I want to be careful here. We don't have time to dig into this too deeply. Um, this is actually how our Heavenly Father should deal with us, but He doesn't. Amen? His grace is amazing. Um, this is uh, neither suggesting a works-based salvation, meaning, well, if I'm a forgiving person and I really show how forgiving I am, at least externally, because you can't see my heart, you can't see what's going on in my mind, um, then God has to forgive me and receive me, right? So it's not about being a works-based salvation, but it's also not about losing your salvation. This man was really never saved. Forgiveness was given to him. It was not received. It was not received. So, how does all this work, and how do we put this together? Let me, let me put it this way. I, I think at this point in time, most of you will be waiting. To, okay, Glenn, okay, okay, listen. Pastor, please help me here. I'm convicted by you, by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus, that I need to be more forgiving. I get offended so easily, I need to not be like that. 
and hopefully I can be less offensive to others. So give me some, give me some, give me some tips. <laughs> Help me how to do this. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? It's, it's here in the passage, but it's not what we think. And, and here's the situation. I mean, come on, most of you have thought about this before. Most of you have, you know, looked at yourself in the mirror and said, you know, like, goodness, that, you know, I was really unforgiving. I should have, oh, why was I so easily offended? And, you know, we try to fix ourselves. It just doesn't seem to take. You know, like, round and around we go. Same old problems over again, repeated. Well, let me show you some clues here that we see from the text. There's a big, big, big clue here. And it's amazing how Jesus puts this forward to us, and if we see the Holy Spirit showing us this, we can actually get to the root of the problem of our unforgiving spirit. It's actually seen in verses 26 and 29. Let me put them on screen one more time, and and you'll see the words that are highlighted. And and look at this. In the first instance, it says, uh, so the servant fell on his knees, as the first servant, uh, imploring him, have, look at the word there, patience with me. He doesn't ask for forgiveness. He asks for patience. Give me time <laughs> to make this up to you. Give me time. Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Then later, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Same thing. Have patience with me. Now listen, if you and I have a problem with forgiveness, come on. <laughs> patience? All right, let's go home. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, again, I look at it, and I, I'm looking at myself. Uh, you know, we'll look at this. Let me, let me just put it to you this way. In, in the first case, let me give you the Greek word here because it's important. Uh, this word is called macrothemia in the Greek, and it literally means, yes, it means patience, but it better translated, the good old King James Version better translates it, long-suffering. <laughs> long-suffering. And, and a really well-defined uh, uh, definition of this would be long-tempered. That's the original English, actually, translation. Uh, to remain tranquil while waiting. <laughs> really? That's patience. But the reality is, listen, when someone offends us, really offends us, hurts us, sins against us, we suffer. So the question is, what do we want to do with our suffering? make them suffer, we will still continue to suffer. That's not the solution. So, as I said, if you and I have a problem with it, let me think about it. Okay, I just thought about just a few little instances this week of where I lack patience. Okay, number one, traffic. I don't like driving in Vancouver, okay? Lights, keeps... Slow internet. I mean, this never used to be a problem. But I have a problem with that. Someone eating too loudly, waiting in line at the bank. I had to go there last week. I never go. I mean, I go to the debit machines or do it online or whatever, but I had to go there. And I'm like, why am I in line? Like, what are these other people doing here? It's like, it's ridiculous. But here's the deal. Who, who's usually the target of our impatience? Well, this story is telling us it's a fellow servant. It's a human being <laughs> that we're being impatient with. And it's one of the reasons, it's probably the key why we are so unforgiving. It's because we are impatient with each other. And again, why would that be? Think of the people in your life you're impatient with 
I'm just going to touch on a few. I won't give a lot of examples, but just think about it. Man, are you impatient with your wife? Hmm. I've had to privately and publicly, you know, confess to that a few times this week. I, I realize that you know, I'm impatient with Janice, and that's not right. And she's never impatient with me, though. Um, are you impatient with your husband, your kids, your workers, your customers, you know, your pastor? Like, why are we such impatient people? This is the hardest part for us to take today. And I'm, I'm going to point this all fingers at myself. Here's the deal. We're selfish. We're just selfish. At the, at the end of the day, you know, what we want, we think we deserve better. And these other people that are in my lineup at the bank are, you know, what, these other people that are causing the problem and, and why I'm impatient is because I'm not getting what I deserve, which is better than this. Wow. We think we deserve better. We who have been forgiven a massive debt, released and forgiven from what we really deserved, feel we deserve better. And this or that person who cannot get their act together is keeping me from my better life now. At the end of the day, when we constantly remain impatient with one another, isn't it true, listen, isn't it true that ultimately we are being impatient with God? Something worse can happen. We're going to move to our conclusion here, and I will hopefully give you some help to take home. But there's something worse that can happen. If, if, if you have an unforgiving spirit, if there's, um, if there's uh, impatience with others in your life, something else can happen. And Hebrews 12, tell, tell, uh, 15 tells us this, see to it that no one fa- fails to obtain the grace of God, meaning understand and absorb the grace, the unmerited favor and forgiveness that you've been given, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. It's a great metaphor. This, this, this is a sermon right here. It's a great metaphor. And, and the, the deal is, is that what we do in our world today is when we have an unforgiving spirit or we mess up or whatever, what we think we all we need to do is just go and just, just chop down a tree, right? Just chop it down, take off the branches, get it out of the way, or, you know, or some, some of these really terrible positive mental attitude posters I've seen on Facebook sometimes, you know, you know just cut the nasty people out of your life. Who needs them anyway? Woo, Really? The root still lives. The root still lives. Some of you know we had these junipers in the front of our house, right, for all the years that we lived there. And then this past summer, we had a guy with a backhoe and a bucket come and take them out. Because we asked people, like, we've we got to get rid of these, right? Can we just take a chainsaw and chop them off? We were thinking that. And they go, no, you've got to get the roots out too. They will come back. So let me give you some, some help as we leave today. Three things that this merciful and gracious king did. Three things that he did, and you can do as well. And we have to do, kids. We, we have to do, right? First is this. He had pity. I mean, literally the word would be there is he felt so sorry, he felt compassion. Compassion was motivating him. He felt sorry for the man which produced compassion in him. And of course, in God, he has always got compassion. He's full of compassion. Secondly, he released him. He personally released him from the debt that he owed him before he actually forgave him. He released him from it. Friends, release those whom you are holding in prison and you will be free. 
to do the third thing. He forgave his debt. So acknowledge the hurt, the offense, and then pardon them for their indebtedness to you. If all else fails, if this doesn't work, see Matthew 18, 15 to 20. Jesus' advice to his disciples on how to settle things between yourselves. And the first thing he says is go to your brother, go to your sister, first yourself confidentially, and if they won't hear you, bring a fellow servant. It's awesome. It's awesome. So ultimately, what's, what's at the heart of this kind of master who, who showers such mercy and grace on bankrupt servants? What's at the heart, right? What's at the heart of a God that allows him to be so generous with his forgiveness? Is it his infinite ability to be patient and long-suffering? Probably, but it's even deeper. How do we refer to God? How does the Scripture refer to God? God is, say it, God is love. <laughs> love. Jesus said there's two things you need to know. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's love. And how does the Scripture define love? This is shocking. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, some of you are going to think we're at a wedding because this is always trotted out at a wedding. It's beautiful. I read it at weddings. It's, but look what it says at first about the definition of love. Love is? Ah, thank you. We're getting somewhere. Love is patient. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. But look at this. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things, endures all things. That's long-suffering. How did things end with my buddy John and I? I went to class that day after that, and I uh, felt like a complete idiot. I was embarrassed, but it wasn't the embarrassment that my friends were going to turn on me, although they were. <laughs> I felt embarrassed. I wasn't a Christian yet, but I was in a Catholic school, but I, I wasn't a practicing Christian really. But the Lord convicted my heart at that time, and I can look back on it and say, well, thank you, because I wouldn't have maybe done the right thing. But I publicly went out after school, and when John saw me coming to his locker, he was like, help! You know, no, he didn't do that. But he looked at me and goes, Davies, what do you want? And I just said, uh, buddy, I was an idiot. Um, I'm really sorry. Um, I can't remember all the words uh, that were said between the two of us, but he just sort of went, closed his locker, grabs the book, and he went, great, walked away. <laughs> Felt even more stupid. A couple of weekends later, we were at a party, um, guys in the band and was there, and John was just actually beginning to maybe play with us in the band. And he came to me on the couch, sat beside me, and he went, hey, Davies. And I was like, okay, where, where is this going? And he said, you did something a week and a half ago that I never thought the Davies that I thought you were would do. You apologized. He stuck out his hand. He's my best friend to this day. Really. I, he's, he's a pain, but, I, you know. He's still in Toronto, but we we're really good friends. And God did something in that that's amazing. True forgiveness. True forgiveness. I needed it. A couple of verses to leave you with. First Thessalonians 5.14 says this, And we urge you, brothers... 
admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. That's all of us. Be patient with all of us, with everyone. And so finally, let me leave you with the words of the guy who got this whole story going. The Apostle Peter reminds us of these things as he's getting near the end of his life, and he, reads, he, he writes this in 2 Peter 3.9. He said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness. If we think that others aren't coming along fast enough, growing fast enough, how do you think God might feel? Right? But, but he, He's not slow about it, but is patient toward you, towards me, towards all of us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's our Heavenly Father. That's love. Let's pray.